To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Your Village Podcast. Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all doing great. I don't know about you guys. I'm feeling a bit tired these days. I think the summer has um, been far busier and more difficult than we've had in a long time. I'm just not used to driving all of my kids all over the place for drop-offs and pickups. So you know, I'm glad they're back out doing stuff, but I'm just exhausted. <laughs> of course, to make things more difficult, the kid's dad totaled his car about a month ago, so we are limping by on one car right now. So we're sharing my car. So we can't go in separate cars to take kids to and from their camps and activities. So one of us has to drive them pretty much everywhere in one trip. So I do have a car on the way. I'm not sure when it's coming, and then he's going to be taking my car. It looks like it's going to be maybe another month, um, but the date kind of keeps moving around. So their dad will take my car when my new car comes in. But even our kids are worn out from their camps. Two of them had to take the day off from their junior lifeguards yesterday, and my oldest could barely walk. Um, he still tried to go, though. He got dressed, he got ready, he went in the car uh, to drop off his younger brother, 
I advised him to give his body a break, but he went anyway to the round of drop-offs. Luckily, in the end, he decided not to try to go yesterday. So I was so happy to actually see him listen to his body and take a break. They just are working those kids so hard. And then my younger son came home today from his skateboarding camp, just exhausted, just passed out in his bed as soon as we got home. So everybody's tired from this new level of activity that we're not used to. In some other announcements, the final edits of the book cover are complete. I will get that put up. It's not a big difference, but I will get those added to the Instagram page, ironmom2020. And I'm really excited to see this project coming together. I'm now starting round two of edits on the manuscript this week. So I hope to get that over to my designer next week sometime and um, get this project out. So I'll keep you posted on the progress of this project. So our question today, this is great. So this is from a mom of actually a baby, an infant, nine months old, but it's a great question because baby's just starting to explore, starting to get into some things. And mom is asking about how to communicate with her daughter for not, you know, she doesn't wanna engage in power struggles and she's afraid some of the things that she's trying to do might be engaging or potentially increasing the opportunity for power struggle. So she's wondering how to handle some of these situations. So this is a great podcast for um, parents of infants and toddlers for avoiding power struggles, how we can avoid power struggles and allow our children to be their best selves, to develop, to be excited about the world without us having to engage in power struggles so much over, over certain things. So that's what we're going to cover in today's podcast. So Heather wrote, hi, Erin, I love your podcast. The information you share lines up with the ideas of my own that I had, but gives me concrete ways to implement them that make sense. I can't wait to use them as my baby gets older. I'm starting to listen from the beginning, so if there's a podcast episode that answers this question, please let me know. I remember one mother asked about her baby, and you advised that those tools really start after 18 months or something like that. And to start with mealtimes, I've applied tips of introducing vegetables multiple times and my baby is a great eater. I still feel like we're setting the foundation now for future behaviors though in other areas of life and I'm not sure the best way to set it. For context, she's almost nine months old. For example, she likes to hang on the baby gate and I worry about it one day collapsing and her falling down the stairs. I wonder, since it's potentially unsafe, do I diligently pull her away from it every time? Can I teach her it's a negative thing to hang on? I don't want it to become a game to her, so I alternate between sometimes saying no and pulling her away and other times distracting her away and other times leaving her be but keeping an eye on her. What are your thoughts? Thanks, Heather. So again, great question. You are spot on with everything, Heather. And I have said 18 months or older. You're absolutely right. And most of these tools really are better, um, easier, just work better when they have more language um, and other types of cognitive development. So things like one, two, three magic choices, obviously you can't really use before they can talk. Um, However, I'm going to alter that a little bit for this. We're going to cover some things that are really great. You can start using right around this age, as soon as they start to kind of push some of the boundaries on things or test things out um, in ways that we can really allow them to explore, but, um, and, but really avoid those power struggles. So I know people, I don't know, I, I think that people probably think I'm weird. There's probably a lot of you parents out there who like, no, this is awesome. But I find these scenarios really interesting because there's so many layers to them 
And I love that Heather is looking for ways to address these types of interactions early. Now, setting up this really strong foundation for expectations, for future interactions, for connection. And I feel like human development and human behavior is so nuanced and it's fascinating. So this is a really fun one to dive into. Um, just these really early on, we're setting up this foundation from the very beginning. So this is just a great question and I find these really interesting and really fun. So first, that's awesome about the great eater and opening her up to new tastes and textures and that she's so interested and ready and able to explore those. I love those days too, when I could just pull out some new foods, try some new foods, some new textures, and my kids would just gobble them up and, and um, you know, and opening up that palette, setting up a good foundation for that. So, like I said, like the tools of choices, one, two, three magic, the coaching, the other communication tools, they're definitely not very helpful or effective before around 18 months. Now, one, two, three magic, you can try it a little earlier, 12 months, 13, 14 months, can particularly be pretty effective. Um, so that is when you can try, when you really, really need to. But I'm gonna talk about how we're gonna avoid even having to use that at all or as little as possible. Because there's some great things you can do at these earliest ages to set up a really good foundation for mutual respect and connected communication. So let's start with the development at this age, between nine and 18 months because it's really a fun and exciting time. It's really amazing to witness, and even more so when you understand what's happening. So this is the age when babies are starting to really explore. They start scooting, crawling, soon they're standing up and scooting along furniture, and then they're gonna start walking. Once they're mobile, even if they're not walking yet, even if they're just scooting or standing up and going along furniture or they're or crawling, the world opens up to them. It is such an exciting place for them. Their development will just explode at this point because they can now see better. So that's the other thing. Their visual development is really um, becoming much more acute at this point. So they can see across the room. When a baby's first born, they can barely see a few inches in front of their face. That's why we as parents get right in their faces <laughs> and coo and giggle and smile at them, get right in their face because you know, I don't know if it's instinct or what, but they can't see very far. And so it gives them the opportunity to see us. Well, by the time they're nine months old to a year old, their vision is almost fully on board. So they can see all the way across the room. It's an incentive for them to start moving physically because they see something interesting. So it all kind of unfolds together. The physical development, the cognitive development with the eyesight and the hearing and the language and all of this stuff just starts to explode at once. So they are focusing on something further away. It captures their interest, something that has a bright color, something that has an interesting shape, something that shines, and they get excited. They want to see that new item, so they work to get to that new item. Now, it's amazing that if you have a room full of safe and appropriate developmental toys, your baby or toddler will focus in on and scoot across the room faster than you can say, I don't know, I would say Bob's your uncle, but I feel like that's <laughs> that's um, aging me. But you know, faster than you can say stop. And they are across the room and they are picking up the screw that fell out of the back of the washing machine and somehow ended up on the edge of the family room. They will beeline to it and put it in their mouth instantly. I kid you not. It's amazing, inspiring and annoying all at the same time. So because now they can explore so much of their world, 
all their areas of development are being stimulated, like I mentioned. Because they can see and notice so many new things in their world, the motivation to explore them will push that physical development. Their interaction with all of these new things now stimulates their cognitive development. What is this? What does it do? How does it feel? Does it make noise? What happens when I squeeze it? What happens when I tug on this part? What if I push it? What if I throw it? What if I put it in my mouth? And I think we adults can actually really learn a lot from watching these young kids about how to see the world more from a view of wonder and excitement. There are so many amazing things in the world and I think we forget. Now, of course, a ball isn't going to be super exciting to us, but I'm just realizing there's so many amazing things in the world to explore and do and see. So watching kids get so excited about these new things is a really great way to reconnect with our own inner wonder about the world. Now, also because of this need to and drive for this exploration, a big part of our job becomes about keeping our babies and toddlers safe. So they aren't climbing bookshelves, falling down the stairs. And we also have to do this in a way that it isn't creating temptation because temptation means the drive to do it, to try it, to see it, to touch it, to explore it increases. The more off limits we make it, the more they want to do it. So the very cool and sometimes annoying thing about these ages is that our babies and toddlers are young scientists exploring, trying, learning, discovering anything and everything about their world. Now, the behavior may seem negative at first glance to us, but it's often just their very nature of exploration, a baby or toddler dropping food from their tray. When gravity is new, it's really cool to see something just disappear right out of sight behind the tray of the uh, baby of the what's that? the high chair <laughs> of the high chair or the seat when they drop it so like little scientists they want to see if the outcome can be repeated so then they drop the next piece then the next piece to see that it repeats itself it's very cool so how do we balance setting some boundaries around behaviors that we find unacceptable or maybe unsafe and also letting them explore their inborn drive to test and learn and discover their world when we get back after a word from our sponsors, I will get into how we can balance setting up boundaries, whether they're for safety purposes or for negative habits that we want to avoid. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets, to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look, and some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads love where you live. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. 
All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories, including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to talk about setting boundaries while giving our young children as much room to explore as we possibly can. The first really great way to do this is with baby and toddler proofing. And Heather actually already alluded to this. She's already started this with the baby gate to keep her baby safe from the stairs. But it sounds like there's still some concern around whether or not this gate can really hold. So we want to baby and toddler proof in such a way that we can feel confident. And this sometimes is a bigger task. So these exploratory years, while they're short and they do go fast, we're still talking three to four years. And that's only if you have one. If a second one follows a few years behind, you may have baby and toddler proofing things set up for six years or more. So do everything you can to make it as fail safe as possible. So if you can get a baby gate that you feel is more structurally sound, even the kind that screws into the walls, maybe what you want to consider investing in because it, it just really removes that feeling of anxiety and stress and concern about your baby or toddler getting hurt in certain situations. Uh, it cuts down on the need for the parents to intervene. It therefore eliminates the potential power struggle over it. So there's actually companies that come into a home and will baby proof for you. So this is something people do as a profession um, because it is something that you know takes some time and some effort and to really think about and look into to do research for. So they have companies that actually will do this for you. Um, I actually never used a company, but it is something to consider if it's something that um, you're just not sure you have the time or the energy to do um, yourselves or you're not sure you're going to catch everything. And there are companies that will come in and do that for you. Um, so these companies, they know everything to look for and they'll make recommendations and then install whatever options you decide to go with. So some of them you might want to do on your own. Some of them you might want them to do for you. Now, my feeling and experience always was go with the most protection because in some areas, we did this, like the outlet plugs. We went with the less secure option, the cheaper option. We got those ones you just slip into the plug holes, but kids will figure out how to remove those. They'll just pop those out once they get old enough to figure it out. And then as soon as you need to plug something in, they just unplug the box fan or whatever it is that you have plugged into the outlet and then the outlet's exposed. So my kids would do this part. They didn't pop the plugs out, but if we had something plugged in, they would pull the plug out of the wall. 
And then the outlet's exposed. And they just thought that was hilarious. And then it became a power struggle because we're trying to teach them not to pull the plug out of the wall. And then it becomes a game. So everywhere that you can, go with the most advanced technical option. So we ended up switching everything over to the kind that actually screws in behind the outlet cover plate. And then it latches shut in the front. So you can plug your things in, then you latch them shut and the cords come out the bottom. So just start with the most robust option available. Otherwise you may end up going back again and again to route them away from the danger and then do another upgrade. They think it's a fun game, like I said, and it's so much more enticing to them because you keep telling them not to and now it's this game and you end up just scrapping the cheaper low-tech option to upgrade anyway. So (laughs) that's my experience from the beginning. Just go with the most robust option you can from day one. So you wanna get the best outlet covers, the baby gates, and cabinet locks. You wanna go with these high-end ones as possible. I love the cabinet locks, the magnet locks for our kitchen and for the bathroom cabinets, we use those. Um, You especially want those for any cabinets where there are household cleaners and those types of things are stored. Get those good cabinet locks on there with the magnet and then keep the magnet up high. So we had, I think, one in the bathroom in the medicine cabinet up high, and then we had one up high in the higher cabinets in the kitchen. And we just used those to open the cabinet doors when we needed to get into them. It completely negates us as the parent having to go and try to like get them away because we think that it might not hold or, you know, trying to, and then turns into some game or kind of having, feeling like we have to stand over them to watch and make sure that it's going to hold. If you feel secure that whatever option you have installed is going to work well, then, um, then you can just let that be the boundary for the babies and toddlers. So then when you need to take a shower, you need to move the laundry over, you need to make a meal, whatever you need to do, it's huge peace of mind. Oh, and bookshelves, coffee tables, end tables, any plants or decor, just clear the first two to three feet of your home of anything potentially messy or dangerous. I remember the bookshelves always being empty on our bottom two shelves, also the coffee tables and end tables. I just, I got so tired of finding this pile of books on the floor constantly throughout the day. (laughs) Pick them back up and they didn't back on the floor. Pick them back up, they'd go back on the floor. I finally just packed up the books on the first two shelves and put them away for a few years. It may look a little funny to just sort of have this cleared area for the lower two to three feet of your home to see bookshelves with completely bare bottom shelves and then they're regularly decorated from the third shelf up or whatever, but you'll get used to it. So... What about those exploring behaviors like dropping food from the table or throwing toys? And I'm talking about throwing toys in terms of doing it to see what it does or what happens, not out of frustration or big emotions. Those are two different types of scenarios that get handled differently. But with the food dropping, let's talk about that first. When you see your baby or toddler engaging in this behavior, you can just say, it looks like you're done eating and you're ready to play and then just take them down. Now, if they protest a little bit and they start trying to eat, you can give them one more opportunity. This is like the first time or two until they learn that this is that this is not okay and you're not gonna let that happen. And then you can give them more of a chance to finish their dinner. So you can have more chance to finish your dinner. If you drop food again, I'll need to take you down from your chair. Now, it doesn't matter if your child is eight months or 18 months. They're learning language rapidly. So the action that follows the words of taking them down once they drop the next piece of food reinforces the language that you're teaching them. It helps them to understand the boundaries you're setting. So the next time, after they do the, after you do this a couple times, they will learn that when they drop food, it means they get down. 
So then what you can do is you can set up an opportunity to play with gravity in a different way. Standing on a stool, up on a climber of any sort that they have, um, dropping balls or other appropriate toys to see what they do when they drop them and when they land on the ground or on your floor. It allows exploration, but with the boundaries in ways of like not doing it with food at mealtimes. So what happens is that they soon learn not to drop the food when they're still hungry and wanting to eat. So that is progress. But they may still engage in this game once they're full. But if you keep up with just taking them down quickly after the first piece of food drops, it limits their ability to engage in this behavior. Once they're big enough to help clean up, you could also do this. So I know sometimes babies may not start this at nine or 10 months old. They may start it at 18 months old just to start playing with it. Um, and most young toddlers actually don't mind helping to clean up. So when they do this, you let them know, oh, we need to clean up before we move to the next thing. So you take them down from the chair and say, we need to clean this up before we can get out our toys. And they don't mind helping clean up the few pieces of drop food to move on with their day. They're usually fine with that. Soon they're going to stop dropping it all together because it's no longer new, number one. And if they have more interesting opportunities to explore with dropping different kinds of toys off of their climbing structure or maybe other type of elevated options. I know like in our old house, we had a landing that looked out over the living room and they could drop things over that onto the floor there. So balls or stuffed animals, something like that to... Um, you know, to see what happens when they drop stuff. That's a way that they can explore in a different way that isn't with food. So if you do need to set a boundary around a particular behavior, be sure to address it straight on rather than just redirecting them. You want to talk about it. So you want to point out dropping food is messy. After we clean up, we can find something else to drop and see what happens. We can find something else to drop from your climber outside. We can find something else to drop from the landing on the stairs and see what happens. So you say this as you remove your child from the high chair and put her down. You can say throwing blocks can be dangerous. Someone could get hurt. Let's put these away and throw the balls or the stuffies instead and see what happens with those. You want to remember to state what you need in the positive. So especially for kids three and under, then you're going to give a new go-to behavior. So we state things in the positive because the negative language, the no's, the don'ts, the stops, the no throwing blocks, we don't throw blocks, stop throwing blocks. This can be confusing because they're taking the language and then they have to turn it around 180 degrees with the no, the stop, or the don't. And a lot of times they actually don't even comprehend the negative part of it. They just hear throwing blocks. And so they think they're doing what you said to do because they're not understanding how to turn it around 180 degrees. Don't throw blocks. So we want to state things however we can in the positive. Throwing blocks can be dangerous. Throwing blocks could hurt someone. Then we also give the go-to behavior. So because we have a kid who wants to jump, they want to throw or they want to drop things, then they don't know what to do with that energy, that desire, that curiosity. They don't know where to put it. So we want to give them a positive way to express that, to explore that interest. So we want to give them a place to go. So we don't want to just tell them what not to do or say throwing blocks is dangerous. They're like, okay, but I want to throw something. <laughs> so we want to give them a go-to behavior, a way to express that creativity, that interest, that curiosity in a way that is acceptable for us in our home. So we're going to go to that. 
Okay, so I hope that that was helpful in ways to manage your toddler and even um, early, super early toddlerhood, late infancy, in directing them into positive ways of exploring, also while keeping them safe and setting some boundaries around those habits that we don't want to, um, to have take hold. If you want to know more about what is happening in the minds of infants, toddlers, preschoolers, I have the development series, You're Developing Infant, You're Developing Toddler, You're Developing Preschooler. I talk about all the different areas of development, all the ways to support that development, all the ways to engage them that's going to really increase that development in all these areas. Any red flags you need to look out for if there is a potential problem with language, with physical development, cognitive development, that you may need to get in and get some Uh, assessments for or get some help with that is also in that class of course the positive discipline classes are all about building the strong foundation for connection and mutual respect in the relationship going forward so that you can get better cooperation and connection all on the website 60 plus parenting classes on demand at yourvillageonline.com If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.